You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunkin' with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network. Happy Monday, everybody. Thank you for making Locked On Wolves your first listen each and every day. And remember, Locked On Wolves is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, as well as all your favorite audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, and of course, the all-new Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves and at BBeacon with two Bs, two Es, C-K-E-N. Welcome into the show today. Uh, it's it's a fantastic Monday in Timberwolves land. The Wolves play tonight. It's a game day. Uh, Wolves-Pelicans, game two of a two-game series, I guess we can call it, as if this was baseball. The Pelicans are still in Minneapolis after losing to the Wolves on Saturday night. If you missed the post-game podcast, we are doing weekend post-game podcasts this year, so be sure to go back and listen to that. It posted late Saturday after the game, so that will be the previous episode on the feed, again, on all platforms, including YouTube. Um, So I broke down that game immediately following uh, Saturday night. Um, but now, so, so there's really no need to preview the game tonight, by the way. I know there's a game tonight. Wolves just played the Pelicans. Don't know what else to say other than, I guess I'll say this off the top. Uh, well, let me get, let me tell you, tell you what the show's going to be about today. And then I'll, I'll get to the point here in a minute. Um, so I want to talk about what we know so far through two games. Um, so what do we know about the Timberwolves? What can we take away from the Timberwolves two and start to the season and project forward? Also why I think the Wolves will start six and four in their first 10 games this season at worst. And then finally we'll have uh, fun with some small sample size, extremely small sample size statistics, both individual and team statistics. Um, so the first takeaway, getting right into it from the season so far, and also from Saturday, I guess specifically from the Pelicans matchup, uh, I said in the pregame or the the preview show on Friday uh, that, that posted Friday morning about Wolves-Pelicans, I said that if Towns stayed out of foul trouble and the Wolves could limit everybody besides Brandon Ingram, the Wolves would be okay. That kind of happened, right? Towns fouled out with, sure enough, I identified correctly that Towns would be in foul trouble against Jonas Valanciunas, which we've seen in the past. Towns has always struggled a little bit with Valanciunas, and Towns actually played extremely well besides the foul trouble. He had three offensive fouls, five turnovers, uh, you know, of course, three of those being the offensive fouls, but played really, really well. Had 13 in the first quarter, just had a great game, except for losing his cool a little bit at the end, fouling out, getting the technical after he fouls out. Um, so I identified he'd be in foul trouble. I thought if he fouled out that early, the Wolves would be in trouble. As it turns out, they basically held serve from that point forward midway through the fourth quarter. And they did let Brandon Ingram score. I think he had 30 in the game and, and overall played well, but the Wolves limited him when they needed to in the fourth quarter and they didn't let anybody else really hurt them. No Josh Hart for the Pelicans, obviously no Zion Williamson. There wasn't anybody else that was able to step up and hurt the Wolves. And if they follow that same pattern or or if the Wolves follow that same recipe to they can win again on Monday against the Pelicans and they should win more easily than the seven point, you know, slog fest, I would call call it from Saturday night. That was, you know, just ugly offense after the first quarter. Um, so the Wolves use a similar strategy. If Towns can stay out of foul trouble, they can limit everyone besides Ingram. And obviously Valanciunas is going to get some of his as well. The Wolves will be in great shape on Monday night. So we'll do a post-game podcast tonight immediately following. That will count as Tuesday's show. So immediately following the show, uh, stay tuned for the post-game pod, which will post very shortly afterwards. Okay, in addition to Saturday's game, overall, going back to the win over the Rockets Wednesday, the win over the Pelicans on Saturday, what do we know so far? Number one, the Timberwolves are going to have something of a fluid rotation. Now, the reason why we can say that, I mean, it's skewed a little because Patrick Beverly was suspended for game one. He 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 then, of course, played on Saturday, but 
one of the things that was strange about Saturday's game is that Jordan McLaughlin didn't play a single second in the first three quarters. He played every second of the fourth quarter. Patrick Beverly played 22 minutes of the first 36 in the game, didn't play a second in the fourth quarter. Josh Okoge didn't play a second in the fourth quarter. And Chris Finch may not be, um, you know, feel like he has to be chained to a, a standard rotation like a lot of NBA coaches are. Uh, Ryan Saunders was actually maybe not quite as chained to a rotation as we've seen. Tom Thibodeau was, he would stick with his rotation, right? Flip Saunders really too, for both stints in Minnesota. Many NBA coaches have their, have their rotation. They have their eight, nine, 10 guys. You know, uh, remember Kevin Garnett would always, I think it was like the last two minutes of the first quarter, first minute of the second, he would sit and then he basically played the rest of the game essentially, um, those types of patterns and some, and it also depends on the player, not always the coach. And, um, I don't think Chris Finch is going to feel like he has to do that. And we saw a little bit of an inkling of that last season with obviously a lot of injuries and some shuffling guys in and out of the rotation or in and out of the lineup, just based on injuries late last season. But I don't think Finch will have this set lineup. I think he'll kind of play hot hand, certainly play matchups, maybe even more than a lot of coaches we've seen. Tom Thibodeau struggled with in-game adjustments at times and it still does. Uh, and that, that's one of his shortcomings as a coach and didn't always adjust for matchups. Um, and, and that's something that I think Chris Finch does a pretty good job of. So we'll see a fluid rotation moving forward. Uh, you know, again, projecting out obviously based on two games, but I think it's safe to say that Finch isn't going to feel like he has to play the same guys, the same amount of minutes, the same substitution pattern every single night. Um, also so far this year, the offense has appeared versatile yet extremely disjointed. The first game saw the Wolves getting the free throw line a lot early, making a lot of threes, struggling from deep late. The second game was flipped. They hardly got to the free throw line at all. They had eight free throw attempts up until, uh, you know, the Pelicans playing the foul game at the end. They finished with 10 total free throw attempts. The Wolves shot the three well early in the game um, and, and terrible the rest of the game on, on Saturday against the Pelicans. Um, there's no real flow to the Wolves offense yet. And the, and the, Transition offense hasn't been good either. The flow from defense to offense, and I'll talk about the defense here in a second, for as good as the Wolves have played defensively, they haven't really turned that into consistent, efficient transition opportunities on the offensive end of the court. Um, and so that's going to come, right? That comes with time. It comes with familiarity. You know, most of the roster is the same, but Patrick Beverly and Torian Prince are both getting heavy rotation minutes and will probably each play, you know, 18 to 22 minutes a game on average. And, um, you know, they're not used to playing with their teammates and Jordan McLaughlin's in a different role than he's been in in the past. And so it's, it's going to come with time. Um, but the, the good part of that equation is the defense has been outstanding and we'll get to get to where the Wolves rank league wide in steals and blocks and, and some of those defensive statistics here in a little bit. Uh, but eventually the Wolves are going to get rewarded with easy buckets on the other end of the floor. The half-court offense has been disjointed, yet at times has appeared versatile with obviously all the things Towns can do. D'Angelo Russell has ta- has uh, had a really real, a real, a, a serious roller coaster of the first two games. Anthony Edwards as well has shown flashes, but not been consistent. All three of those guys have been up and down um, at various points in the first two games. But that's the advantage of having three guys who can carry an offensive scoring load. Um, certainly Edwards and Towns could do that. And, and D'Lo has his moments. Absolutely. Um, and eventually, like we've seen glimpses of what this offense can be. Malik Beasley's barely done anything offensively. He hasn't been asked to do much. Jade McDaniels has been an afterthought. Eventually, more of these guys are going to get worked in and the offense will get better and better. And then the last thing would be, in addition to the defense playing really well, Saturday is an indication and granted it coming against a depleted, you know, Pelicans team missing two starters, missing one of the best players in in the league in Zion Williamson. 
But still, they won ugly and they seemed to be okay doing that and were comfortable doing it down the stretch with no towns. There seems to be a grit that this team has. You know, Patrick Beverly wasn't on the floor at the end of the game, but it's the Patrick Beverly effect, I think, right? The veteran leadership, the defensive uh, effort, the um, overall stick to itiveness of the group, if you will. If the Wolves can, hopefully they don't have to win ugly on Monday. Hopefully they can, um, they can run away with the game against the Pels, you know, and try two against New Orleans at Target Center. But that's going to help them on like a random Monday in January against, you know, the Charlotte Hornets or whatever uh, to win some of these games. That's the difference between winning 30 games and and missing the playoffs by a handful of games and winning, you know, 41, 42 games and being in the playing conversation. There's going to be, you know, and maybe 10 is too many, but somewhere in that five to 10 range of those close kind of ugly battles throughout the season. And the Wolves have to show the gumption to be able to put teams away that they're clearly more talented than, and they are more talented than a Zion Williamson, less Pelicans team. There's no question about that. So it matters that they were able to win ugly. And hopefully that's something we can see moving forward. Okay. So next I want to talk about why I think the Wolves will start this season six and four. So when we're sitting here in a couple of weeks, I think their record will be six and four. And then I want to have fun with small sample size statistics from the season so far. First though, Let's talk about prize picks. All right, NBA fanatics, have you heard about prize picks? Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this. And I know we'll, you will too. I played last week for the first time. Prize picks has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. Prize picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players, only recording a handful of minutes each game. Prize picks offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. If you're playing football, all of your users that deposit and use the promo code will receive a hundred percent instant deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Just be sure to include the promo code NBA. You pick two to five players and an over under on their projections. You can win up to 10 times on any entry and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Prize picks allows mixed sport entries. For instance, you could take the over on LeBron combined with the under on Mahomes in the same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It really is that easy. PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepix.com and use the promo code NBA or go to your App Store. Download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. Again, prizepix.com, promo code NBA. Let's also talk about our friends over at DirecTV. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and perhaps you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right. Uh, thanks once again, by the way, for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. And a reminder, you can listen or watch on YouTube, but listen on any other platform as well. Okay, uh, let's talk about why I think the Timberwolves are going to start the season six and four. First of all, uh, as of this recording, the Timberwolves are tied for the lead in the Western Conference at 2-0. In fact, there's no 3-0 teams, although Memphis is currently leading the Lakers in the third quarter and may go to 3-0, as well as Golden State uh, was up big over the Kings, but now it's a three-point game in the fourth quarter. And if Golden State wins, they will also be 3-0. But either way, the Wolves will be one of only uh, a max of five undefeated teams in the Western Conference. So uh, I guess there's that, tied for the number one seed, right? After two games, I think that counts. And uh, looking forward at the schedule... 
talked about this a few weeks ago when the schedule came out, but this thing is not hard early in the season. Even even before the Wolves started 2-0, it was easy to see this this wouldn't be hard. Before we knew that Zion was gonna was gonna be out. You know, even New Orleans with Zion is are winnable games, right? At, at home. So the Wolves are 2-0. They get New Orleans again on Monday night. At Milwaukee on Wednesday is going to be extremely difficult. So at that point, the Wolves are probably three and one um, if they're able to beat the Pelicans on Monday. Then at home for Denver, but they get two days off in between. Uh, home for Orlando, extremely winnable game. There's a chance Orlando's the, literally the worst team in the NBA this season. And then back-to-back, well, not back-to-back, but consecutive home games against the Clippers. Same thing that the Wolves are doing with the Pelicans this weekend. So next Wednesday against the Clippers, next Friday against the Clippers, both at home. Then at Memphis, at Golden State, at Lakers, at the Clippers, and then back home for Phoenix. The Wolves don't have a back-to-back set until Friday, November 12th and Saturday, November 13th. And that's both both of those games are at uh, are in LA against the Lakers and the Clippers. So, uh, well, you know, the first ten what uh, Houston, New Orleans, New Orleans, Milwaukee, Denver, Orlando, Clippers, Clippers. Um, that gets the Wolves to eight games, and then Memphis and Golden State. So going through at Golden State, the middle of that that West Coast swing, the Wolves will have played ten games. Of those ten, they're going to be favored in Houston. Both are both Pelicans games, the Magic game. That's probably it. I don't think they'll be favored on the road against Memphis or Golden State. However, it'd be a surprise to me if they weren't able to split the two home games against the Clippers. And it would be a surprise to me if they didn't win one of the Denver, or excuse me, two of the Denver-Memphis-Golden State trio. Because those are all teams, you know, Denver's a a slot above, but Golden State and Memphis are expected to be in that same kind of level of the Timberwolves, basically, right? The the teams that are trying to keep themselves out of the play-in and into the back half of the, you know, the top six in the Western Conference. So, my take on this is that the Wolves are three and one after the game against Milwaukee. I think after they play Denver and Orlando, they're probably four and two. I'm guessing they beat Orlando and lose to Denver, so it'll be four and two. They'll split the two against the Clippers. That gets them to five and three. And then the Memphis and Golden State games say they split those. That's six and four in the first ten. And that's probably a pretty baseline prediction, right? I don't think that's super optimistic. If I was being super optimistic, I'd say, hey, you know, of the Denver, Memphis, Golden State games, instead of saying they only win one out of those three, say they win two, that gets them to seven and three in their first 10. Now, seven and three, for whatever reason, feels a lot better than six and four. Um, but I think six and four is actually a, a realistic, um, well, and also that would mean that in their next eight, they go four and four, which doesn't sound crazy, right? Um, they've If they win the games they're supposed to win, they will at least be six and four through their first 10. Um, and, and playing the way that they did Saturday, and I said this on the postgame pod after the Pelicans game, if this is the worst that the Wolves offense is all year, and it's got to be, right? 96 points against the Pelicans at home on a Saturday, not a back-to-back, with the Pelicans on a back-to-back, shooting like 31% from three, getting to the free throw line just 10 times all game and shooting six of 10 at the line. It's got to be the worst this offense is going to be all season, right? And they still won by seven. So if the defense is at, at worst, they're hustling, they're playing hard, they're getting some blocks and steals here and there, they're they're getting some extra possessions for their offense, which eventually should be potent. If this is a middle of the pack defense and it, and this is the floor for their offense, um, they're going to win a lot of these close, ugly games. And, and that matters over the course of an 82 game season. Like I mentioned last segment, there's going to be a handful of those that that need to go the Timberwolves way if they're going to finish you know, at least in the play-in, if not in the, you know, the sixth spot or something in the Western Conference, which I've said before, I think the highest, the the realistic ceiling of this team this season, the realistic ceiling, not the absolute ceiling, not the, you know, Towns goes nuts and, and averages like a 
you know, I don't know, a 50 has a 50, 40, 90 season and averages almost a triple double or something. The realistic ceiling for the team this season is probably the six seed. And if they're going to sniff that, if they're going to get into the seven or maybe the six seed conversation, um, the recipe that they've used over the first couple of games, ideally you're scoring 124 a game like they did against Houston or worst case, if the floor of your offense is 96 points while shooting 31% from three, you know, barely over 40% from the field and, and only getting 10 free throw attempts over the course of a game, you're going to be all right. You're going to be above 500. You're going to be a playoff team in this league. Um, and, and that I think is a recipe to lean on moving forward. Okay. I want to wrap the show today by talking about, I, I want to have some fun with small sample size statistics and uh, yes, two games is a ridiculously small sample size, but that's why this is fun. We're not projecting anything out. I'm not suggesting, well, we'll get to the categories here in a minute. I'm not suggesting anything crazy. I just think this is fun to look at. Um, so we're gonna do all that next. First though, let's talk about our great friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar of all time. It is delicious, tastes exactly like a candy bar. There's new flavors all the time on their website. If you're not a protein bar person, you should be. And uh and, and you should specifically, you should be a Built Bar person. If you are a protein bar person and haven't tried Built Bar, I don't know what you're doing. It's fantastic. Um, there's a, currently a blueberry muffin flavor on the website, which is new uh, fall flavor. There's a pumpkin puffs flavor on there as well. Um, but really anything with coconut, cookies and cream, anything with caramel. Uh, if you get a mix box, you'll get two of each of their nine kind of staple flavors. So go that route if you're new to Built Bar. Check out the macros in these though. They're not just delicious. They're also healthy. 17 to 18 gram, grams of protein per bar and calories range from only 130. Remember, these taste like a candy bar, just 130 calories to 180, just four to five grams of sugar per bar and only four to five grams net carbs. They're all amazing, delicious. They're all healthy for you. Also, Built Bar is the official protein bar of the US track and field team. So that's cool. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Let's also talk about Rock Auto. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to you by Rock Auto with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry. You have a computer with access to rockauto.com, both at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every single customer and they have everything you could possibly need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil to even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on and their how did you hear about us so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. All right, let's have some fun with small sample size statistics. Okay. Let's start with some of the individual uh, statistics. This, this is on basketballreference.com. Um, so wind shares, right? Wind shares per 48 are a relatively I don't want to call it crude, but it's a, it's a, it's a relatively simple advanced statistic, uh, metric that suggests, um, basically just, it tries to, uh, encapsulate everything about a player. I think it doesn't do a very good job of, of truly, um, encapsulating defensive effort for players. Obviously, uh, rebounds and blocks and steals are all factored into that. It, it kind of, 
it skews, you know, big men always tend to have a better win shares uh, mark than guards because rebounding factors in a lot um, and also efficiency in terms of shooting. But it's it's generally like a, a pretty good quick and dirty like, hey, is this has this player had a good season or not? Right. Um, so this is really interesting. The Timberwolves only have they have five players who are below a point. 100, right? So 0.100 or 0.1 um, is kind of the baseline for a starting caliber player in the NBA. The only players below that are four guys who played just garbage time when the Wolves played terribly in the fourth quarter of the win against the Rockets. So McKinley Wright, Jalen Noel, Leandro Balmaro, and Jake Lehman are all below. They're actually negative, which is awful, but they've each played six or less minutes. So doesn't matter, right? D'Angelo Russell is the only one that's below a 100, which means the Wolves have generally played well because typically the Wolves only have a handful of guys, you know, four or five guys above 100. Um, in this case, the only one below, and I'm calling it 100, but it's it's 0.1, right, is D'Angelo Russell. And he's not like, you know, a, a 0.08 or, you know, a 0.80. He's at a zero. His win shares are a zero in two games. Everybody else is at a 100 or higher. Jade McDaniels is the next lowest, but he's at a 106, and it goes up from there. The top two are Jared Vanderbilt and Carl Anthony Towns. Vando's at a 344, and Carl Anthony Towns is a 322. For context, MVP-type seasons are usually over 300. Obviously, again, I shouldn't even have to say this. Obviously, Jared Vanderbilt's not winning MVP. Pretty unlikely Towns does too, but who knows? Um, but those guys are both above 300. Jordan McLaughlin, Josh Okogi, which is interesting. Okogi usually doesn't do quite as well by this metric because of his uh, limitations offensively is over 200. Anthony Edwards is a 0.1, or excuse me, 0.197. Um, so Towns and Vando leading the way. D'Angelo Russell by far bringing up the rear, which maybe isn't all that surprising if you watch, because outside of that like five minute stretch, I think it was the third quarter of the Rockets game where D'Lo went nuts. He hasn't been very good this season, again, through two games. Um, So I thought that was fascinating. The other thing is individual steal and rebound rates. I said this at the end of the postgame pod on Saturday, Saturday night following the Pelicans game, that you should take a look at Jared Vanderbilt's steal and block rates on Sunday because he had, I don't remember now, but it was like, or excuse me, steal and rebound rates. He had like eight rebounds in, in 12 minutes or something on Saturday. Sure enough, he leads the team in rebound rate, 19.3% rebound rate, which means that of the rebounds available on when Vando's on the floor, he grabbed 19% of them so far in the first two games, which is crazy. Um, and then his steal rate is, is unbelievable, 8.2%, which means that the that 8.2% of opponent possessions are ended by Jared Vanderbilt steals when Jared Vanderbilt is on the floor, which is bonkers. Uh, for some context, if you're not as familiar with rate-based statistics, uh, the steal, you know, the, the steal champion, I guess, which, you know, officially it's, it's the steals per game, whoever gets the most steals per game, but steal rate last year, the leader was TJ McConnell had 3.4% steal rate for the entire season. Jimmy Butler is a 3.1. Nobody else is above 3%. So through two games, Jared Vanderbilt's at 8.2%. And to give some context for just how nasty the Wolves defense has been, they have five players above 3.0 in terms of steal percentage, which is crazy. Um, And I mentioned Vando's block percentage as well. So related to this, well, actually, um, let's go back to block percentage real quick because uh, also interesting, Nas reads at 9.7%, which means that 9.7% of two-point field goal attempts attempted by the opponent while Nas is on the floor. Almost one out of every 10 shots tried by opponents, Nas is blocking. Carl Anthony Towns' mark is 8%, and Jaden McDaniels is 7%. So perhaps this isn't surprising. With three guys with block rates above seven and five guys with steal rates above three, the Timberwolves actually do lead the league right now in steals per game and blocks per game. This is coming into play Sunday. So after, you know, games Tuesday through Saturday of last week, the Wolves lead the league 15 and a half steals per game and 10 blocks per game, um, which is insane. 
uh, and obviously an unsustainable pace, but fascinating and a ton of fun to watch. And it's what, I mean, the Wolves would have beaten the Rockets regardless on Wednesday, but that's what gave them the win against the Pelicans was that defensive activity. The You know, they got out-rebounded by, I think, 15, but early in the game when that was a closer game, when Towns was on the floor, they rebounded the ball much better, and uh, it was, was uh, you know, the steal and block rate thing, it's real. Uh, and the Wolves should be able to do the same thing on against the Pelicans Monday. Of course, no Zion Williamson again, presumably no Josh Hart. He was doubtful on Friday for the game, and or excuse me, on Saturday, and he didn't play Friday. Uh, against the Bulls for the Pelicans. So perhaps no Josh Hart again. It's another winnable game. Um, and we'll, of course, do the post-game podcast immediately following. So again, thanks for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. And remember, we're free and available on all platforms that includes YouTube, as well as Apple, Google, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app. Now's the perfect time to be sure you're following and subscribed because the post-game pod's coming up uh, tonight, uh, you know, later after the game this evening. Um, and also, if you listen on Apple, please help us out with a review. Um, that would be outstanding and definitely helps us out get in front of more eyes and ears. Also, you can follow on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves and at BBeacon with two Bs, two Es, C-K-E-N. Reminder that Locked On Wolves is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. We'll see you after the game tonight. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves Podcast, and we'll catch you next time.